Welcome inside a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Stephen Inman, and I'm joined with my co-host, as always, Chris Brito. Chris, it is our final show of 2020, so we're going to discuss the NBA storylines we're most interested in seeing in 2021. We'll also discuss the Knicks' surprising start and the early impact of head coach Tom Thibodeau. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, Happy New Year. How are you? What's up, Stevie? Only a few more days till 2021. I'm relieved that this year is almost over, but, you know, things are looking up for our Knicks. What a surprising way to start the year for the season. Um, But before we get to that, and we have a lot to talk about on that, there are a lot of things to look forward to in 2021. Um, A few things come to mind, a few things that we've talked about on this podcast before, but one of the top headlines has to be whether James Harden gets traded or not. I'm inclined to believe that he will. Um, Philly seems to be the most logical place for him in his career trajectory and based on need of that Sixers team. The Sixers have looked fine. They still look like a middle of the road, middle middle of the pack sort of playoff team. Harden would probably get them over the jump and finally get them maybe potentially a chip. Um, right now, the team as constructed probably doesn't get past second round of the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I definitely think the Harden trade is something we're going to be watching for constantly in 2021. I think, as you said, he will get traded sooner rather than later in the upcoming year, probably close to the trade deadline. You mentioned Philly. I think that's a perfect fit. How about Denver? I mean, Michael Porter, the Gary Harris contract, a couple of picks. I think that kind of fits what what Houston's looking for. They're looking for a a franchise-type player, a guy they can build around. I think that is clearly Ben Simmons. And if you can't get Ben Simmons, I think that could be Michael Porter. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of other options out there for, you know, stuff like that. You know, some dark horse teams, you know, New Orleans, Sacramento, maybe. Uh, I mentioned off-air Cleveland yesterday. It's kind of joking, kind of not joking. You know, could they wind up packaging maybe, you know, Sexton, who's averaged 28 since the All-Star break last year, Okoro and a couple of picks and try to build around Harden, Garland and Love. I mean, I, I think that's possible. You'd probably throw Drummond in that trade for uh, salary purposes, but there doesn't seem to be the market that goes for these top guys. I mean, they're looking for the Anthony Davis Hall, and they have not found that yet. That could change, but I think, and I think it will change, but at some point, um, look, it's just he's a dynamic player, and until they get what they want, they should hold on to him. Yeah, I just wonder how much leverage James actually has on the on the team. Like, I think none. How is it that James, right? How is it that James is conducting, is, is sort of choosing who he wants to go to? Um, but at the same time, I believe the Rockets are just waiting to waiting for later on this year when the trades that were made over the over the off season to become. Um, you know, for those players to become eligible to be traded. So that's the only reason I believe I believe that they're not they haven't traded Harden yet. Um, but it's almost assured that he's not going to be there anymore. Um, uh, I am curious to see what the team will look like with John Wall and, and Boogie Cousins. Uh, they should be coming back from the COVID protocol later on this week or next week. This week. Um, this week, even better. 
Um, but then in terms of first rings, though, there's a few guys that, you know, this season will likely, you know, focus on. You know, among them is Giannis. Giannis just got that huge extension over the break. And, you know, Luca is essentially being crowned as the next big thing in the NBA. Out of those two guys, who do you think has the better chance of getting a ring this year? Oh, I think it's no question it's Giannis. I mean, he, he's come closer in the past, and I think his team is, is ready to go. They brought in Drew Holiday, and then the Nick blowout notwithstanding, they, to me, are the favorite out of the East, and I think this is a great opportunity for him to go get that first ring. I think Luca's probably another year away from being that perennial finals contender, uh, to get there, but I think uh, it's Giannis out of the East to uh, to lose at this point. Yeah, and and I mentioned this in the past. I think Luca has a lot more of a horseman share of, of of burden to deal with that Mavericks team. There's essentially no clear number two. You know, KP is always injured, and we don't know when he's going to be back from his injury. I love Giannis. I love his story. I hope he does make it to the finals this year. How nice would it be a LeBron Giannis sort of deal in the NBA Finals for 2021? Awesome. Uh, and speaking of LeBron, I think this year, one of the more underrated aspects, believe it or not, in LeBron, who turns, what, 36 today? 36 uh, today. 30, happy birthday, LeBron. Um, he turns 36, and he is on the quest to get his fifth ring. And the Lakers team so far has looked stacked, even though they've lost against the Clippers. And, you know, the Lakers have a great chance of making that happen. You know, this will be the first year. KD and Kyrie get together and, you know, who's to say that they'll be healthy for the full year. Um, Giannis also has some new parts to that team, even though they're favorites in the East and the Clippers haven't displayed that they can be a consistently good team, even and they, despite the fact they did beat the Lakers in the opening night of the, Oh no. Uh, oh, was it opening night or was it, it was Christmas opening night? night? It was opening it was night. Opening, yeah. Opening night. That felt like such a long time ago. It was. But if there's any plot line that I am rooting for, it's probably the LeBron Giannis uh, title, uh, Giannis uh, championship this year. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the nail on the head there, LeBron's fifth ring. Chris, he gets that fifth ring this year. All of a sudden, he's knocking on the door to greatness. He's, I mean, beyond greatness. He's knocking on the door of being the greatest player of all time. If he ties Michael Jordan for rings, and you're talking about how durable he's been, the most durable player in NBA history. You're talking about the guy who's likely going to be the all-time scoring champion. You know, the way he passes the ball, the way he rebounds the ball, the way he impacts the game. He, you're talking about the greatest player ever. And that's why this year is the 2021 pivotal, pivotal time for LeBron James in his career because we're talking about does he go down as an all-time Mount Rushmore player, or does he go down as the greatest player ever? Oh, there's no question. I mean, I, I already consider him to be the greatest player of all time. Even if he doesn't win another ring? Even if he doesn't win another ring. Okay. To me, he's got a Jordan for me. Oh, and, wow. and get that scoring, all-time scoring number, which oh, I, I think he will. I think, uh, I think he's going to likely get that scoring title no matter what he does, just out of pure longevity. Yeah. Um, but there's something to be said about longevity, right? Why why is it that being consistent isn't rewarded as much as quote unquote perfectionism, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think it will be like, here. Like if you're great with less talented rosters, I think that, you know, that has a lot more weight than someone who had Hall of Fame teammates and 
took a year, took two years off and then came back or took a year off and then came back. Well, I don't know. LeBron's also had, you know, we're getting off on a tangent here, but LeBron's had Hall of Fame teammates too. I mean, Wade's a Hall of Famer. Kyrie is okay. probably a Hall of Famer. Probably. Uh, Davis is, is is on a Hall of Fame track. He's still young. I like. I do think. I do think elite, elite players. Sure, I think I do think Anthony Davis is probably the best teammate he's been with, though. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean they've yeah. definitely had um some great. He's they both had some great great teammates, but at the same time, there's a reason why we're having this discussion because those are the two of the greatest players ever, and it's going to be really fascinating to see how LeBron continues this climb in 2021. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the other thing I'm looking forward to is like when all fa- fans at all arenas will be allowed in, you know, we're anxiously anticipating when, when this vaccine is going to be rolled out for the, for the, for the masses, you know, we've already seen, you know, frontline workers and medical workers and elderly get it. Then it becomes a question of like, you know, how the rollout, you know, begins to unfold with everybody else in the general public and when we'll see fans again. So far, like I noticed it yesterday with the Knicks game, even the audience sound, you could hear the static and it's just like not the same. And I, you know, obviously I'm preaching to the choir here, but I can't wait for fans to be back. Like part of the reason why it's so cool to play at MSG is seeing the reactions from, from the celebs, from the fans, from, from everyone in the stands. Uh, hopefully we get to see that sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, my hope, and this might be optimistic, Chris, I've been optimistic about this whole situation from the beginning, but my <laughs> hope is that we'll have full crowds by the playoffs. And it's it's optimistic, yes. I mean, we're talking about what what is that, June? We're talking about June to have full crowds. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's it's crazy to say five months from now we could do it, but I wouldn't put it as guaranteed either. I mean, that's the hope you have, you know, the playoffs back and you can go welcome your team with a, a full crowd and every, you know, most, most of the country who's going to get vaccinated is vaccinated. So I think that would be uh, the goal here. Yeah. I think that's a pretty, uh, I not only think it's an, it's not only it's optimistic, obviously, but I also think that it's realistic at the same time because you know, it's expect you. We've heard health officials say that by June or late May, you know, the vaccine would be available to the majority of the public. So we'll see. You know, it it'd be nice to have that for the playoffs for sure. Yeah, just I just looked it up. So the playoffs would officially start May twenty two as of right now. Oh, May twenty second. Okay. Okay. So you got about f- a little less than five months. That might be asking too much. I mean. Mm-hmm you know, baseball expects full crowds and they're supposed to start in April. So who could say, but, you know, I don't know if they have a clue what's going on either right now. Chris, this is a thing I really wanted to talk about. I'm really fascinated to discuss this expansion, Chris. I think there's a realistic chance because of the coronavirus, we might get expansion in the next couple of years. And I think that starts in 2021, that big discussion. You know, reporters have been asking Adam Silver, you know, for the last couple of years, are you considering expansion? Are you considering expansion? And he basically said, no, we're not a considering expansion. They asked him this year at a state of the union right before the season started. And he said, yeah, we're considering it. We've had major, major losses in the billions of dollars that we expected to have. Teams are borrowing money from the NBA, millions and millions of dollars. So all of a sudden you put two expansion teams in, Chris, you get, you say, all right, highest bidder who can show that they can have an NBA arena gets the team. You're talking about, you know, two billion two and a half billion maybe dollars 
in fees per team, you're talking about erasing all of the coronavirus losses in an instant. And I, I think the talent level, which you've convinced me of this, I did not agree with this when we had this discussion a while ago, but basically the talent level in the NBA is there's not that many horrible teams anymore. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, you would say a third of the league has no chance, you know, to be a playoff team. And now I think it's only like four or five teams. We're really increasing our talent pool. And I think the reason for that is so much international, you know, additions in, in our NBA game. Some of the greatest players of all time who are currently playing, Giannis, Luca, they're all international guys. There's more international guys to go out and find. And so adding 30 players to this player pool, I don't think will dilute the product enough. As you correctly told me about this a while ago, I don't think it'll dilute the product enough where it won't be as entertaining. So I think NBA expansion is really possible. The only downside would be for these giant TV revenue money, they'd have to split the uh, pie 32 ways instead of 30. So it's up to the teams to decide if, it, if it's worth that right now. Yeah, and the other aspect to that, too, it's like you have the G League where you have these young prospects, and in a few years, you're going to have high school prospects go directly there. A lot of them which, deserve to be there now, those, those G League guys. Like, a lot of them can play in the league right now. Right, and there's no for me, there's no reason that the NBA is not, can't get better because of this. Like, you're not going to get less fans because you're adding two more teams to the NBA. You're going to only increase your chances to, 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 to capitalize on markets where – you don't currently exist a and then b you know who's to say more revenue is a bad thing <laughs> anyway it now the now the bigger question is where so i think we're both in agreement that seattle it seems to be the most logical place yeah for, it, the, it's for one of them it certainly seems like the uh, supersonics is the favorite to get a team uh, again all of this depends on money and so you need some rich rich buyer to come out and say, I'm willing to pay the most amount of money for this expansion franchise, and I have an NBA arena ready. And it seems like Seattle has that. And it also seems like Vegas might have the arena. It also seems like Louisville might have the arena. So I think it's going to be Seattle plus somebody else. And the question is going to be, who's that somebody else? Okay, so then I have another observation to add to that conversation. So Vegas and Seattle, both of those places are within a rock's throw of of you know California Silicon Valley and what we have seen the past few owners with the exception of Robert Tillman is that most of them have come from the tech sector so you have you know the the Grizzlies owner who's Robert Robert Perra I believe you have the newly um a newly announced editor uh, the newly announced owner of the Utah Jazz who also came from the tech sector um you have the Brooklyn Nets majority owner who I believe worked at Alibaba or is part of that group as well. So there's clearly a trend here with the owners and, and I think that Vegas and Seattle make a lot, a whole lot of sense because of the proximity to Silicon Valley. Not that you need to be close to Silicon Valley. You can, now you can operate virtually from anywhere, but those seems to be places that are getting invested in. And plus Las Vegas, you see, they just added the Raider stadium. So they just they just added, you know, the Raiders. They just added the uh, the Golden Knights, the hockey team that's oh, that's already true. found success. 
I think Vegas is, is a, you know, and the NBA is already not afraid of Vegas. They put their youngest players in there and they're in crucial development time every year, except for this year for uh, Vegas summer league. So I definitely think uh, Vegas is probably the favorite to get that second team, but it'll be really fascinating because I think there's going to be a lot of twists and turns in that story. And I think we're going to be able to talk about that probably this off season when they're going to start con- seriously considering how much can we get for these expansion franchises sorry guys one uh, one small correction it's tillman it's someone for tita not robert tillman that yes. man does not ex- that man does not exist as far as but, we know at least but, in the NBA. As, at least at the nba but you know steve you bring up a lot of great points and i think at the end of the day this can for me in my point of view it can only be a good thing for the nba the nba clearly has the money and i think there is a general interest in the United States and in the world uh, for more teams. I don't think adding more would be a bad thing. It would be, it would be pretty cool to see if, if, if the United, if the NBA would expand maybe in like Mexico city, I think that prospect is interesting. You'd be opening yourself to a whole new demographic, but that's, I'm sure that those are conversations that are happening in, in some of the rooms. I definitely think the NBA is considering going somewhere far further out um, I think I've heard the, the concern with Mexico City is the air quality. And I've heard, you know, that's something that they're not sure they want to put an NBA franchise in to have, you know, adversity like that right to start the franchise when there's so many problems and there's so many things that need to go on. So I wouldn't put that as likely, but again, money talks. And if somebody says, hey, we'll give you $3 billion in an expansion franchise, you know, fee, we'll figure out the air quality, we'll figure out all these other things in Mexico City, they'll put a team in Mexico City. So I'm definitely curious about that. The one negative thing I can think of that might hurt you and I is one of these teams is going to be better than the Knicks in five years. It's just going to be a situation where a team that doesn't exist right now is, you know, barely a thought is going to build a team faster and better than our New York Knicks, probably. So uh, speaking of those New York Knicks, they have gotten off to a good start this year. They're two and two. They play the Raptors Thursday night, New Year's Eve in Tampa. And uh, Chris, they've had some, you know, some tough performances. The Philly game wasn't great, but uh, they've been amazing in the last two games. They beat the Bucks by, you know, they blew out the Bucks. They wind up winning that game by 20. It was a, a game where they really led for more than 20 for a lot of that game. And then they, they didn't let up in Cleveland on a Tuesday night. They, they won that game by double digits. They had some turnover problems, but at the same time, they shot the ball well. And I want to hear from you. What is going on here? What is the biggest surprise early on? I think no question. It's been Julius Randle, who has been playing like Magic Johnson for for all the, for for two of those four games. And you know, it's hard to really take a sample size and make it into a bigger thing. But you know, it's just it's just really the cues that Randle is showing right now. Early in the season, he's been a more willing passer. And you know, some of the things that really infuriated us was was when he would attempt to score when he had two defenders on him. And it would be frustrating to see like open shots being passed up. Now the Knicks currently are, have the highest three point percentage in the NBA, which is ridiculous considering how bad the team has been shooting from the three. Again, small sample size, only four games in, but Julius Randle is clearly the catalyst right now. And some other things I've been impressed with on a smaller scale, um, 
RJ Barrett, even though he's been he aside from the first game where he was shooting lights out, he's been struggling with the shooting, but he's still shown a tenacity to keep attacking, keep attacking, and contribute to the team in other ways that's not just with scoring. And I think that's encouraging to see so far. The one dark aspect for me has been Mitch Robinson. He hasn't come out to be the player that I expected to be take the jump. But the encouraging aspect with him is that he hasn't been doing the, the silly fouls that he usually does like he has in years past and like he showed in the first game of the season. So impossible to say that this will be the same, this will be the same team throughout the season, but so far so good. I would, my point, I guess my only thing is whether they can maintain this. Um, but so far, it just shows you two things that, apart from what the results are, coaching does make a difference. And and B, the, the fact that the Knicks responded the way they did after the Sixers game and destroying the Bucks, I think that was perhaps the – I don't know how many times the Knicks did that last season, but it's just very encouraging to see that was the performance they put on a day after losing by that much. Yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest positive is Tom Thibodeau. I did not really like the hire. I did not think he was going to, you know, try to develop these young players. And the Knicks organization put him in a position where he had to trust the young players because they didn't put a lot of vets around them. Obviously, you know, he's playing Julius Randle 40 minutes a night. I think he played 44 minutes in the Cleveland game, which is not sustainable from any circumstance, but also this half this roster is injured and that's my negative on this team right now you know everyone is hurt it seems like you know you already this is a team that for the last couple years has really not had significant injuries they have not had you know key guys go down for long periods of time you know Burks has a sprained uh, sprained ankle quickly has the hip problem Rivers hasn't played with the groin you know, Dennis Smith has his quad. Amori Spellman hasn't played yet. We got him in a trade. I was excited to see if he was going to be anything. And then the big one, Obi Toppin's got the right calf. He's going to be reevaluated in seven to 10 days. And that's an injury that you can re-aggravate, which he already has. And that's why he's out now. So it's a concern. And, you know, they it broke a few minutes ago that, you know, Frank Nielakina now has a sprained right knee. He's going to be out for a Thursday's game. So you're talking about a team that played eight guys heavy minutes, it's going to be a stretch to see if they can do that. You're going to have to play Jared Harper and other guys like that. And the injuries piling up this early is a big concern because now you have to rely on other guys to play big minutes, which results in more injuries. Yeah. I mean, I'm not so concerned about the minutes. I mean, this team hasn't played much in the last, what is it? Uh, nine months, eight months. So all the, Since for, March, me, the talk, nine months. For, for me, the, the talk of, the Knicks getting a lot of minutes in the fourth game of the season. It's just not a realistic, it's well, just thing, it, for like, me. What sorry. Choice, what sorry. other choice do they have? Sorry. Right. They have no other choice. So you're going to play your best men. And if you have to play them 48 minutes, you have to play them 48 minutes. I'm not saying that's sustainable, but I'm saying that in the context of the situation, which is that the fact that most of the team is injured, you're going to have to do that. Yeah. And I mean, your other you option can't... is you're going to play Theo Pinson and, uh, Jared Harper 20 minutes a game and I, I don't think uh, that's going to happen anytime soon right and and you can't tell me that like putting those guys is going to be better for the franchise than not playing Randall in an additional five or six minutes you know 
because so far from the, from what I've seen, the team seems like they're well conditioned. Uh, injuries happen. They had no training camp. So the idea that they're getting too many minutes is ridiculous to me. And, you know, if Tibbs is seeing that this is working, then I think we should we should ride this train as long as we can. Yeah. That's, and that, again, that's my, that's my schedule. Take. You know, you play Philly, you played Indiana, you played Toronto, you played Milwaukee. That's that's a tough starting five games of the season that you're talking about four contenders and Cleveland, who was three and out. So they've done a really good job so far, Chris. I'm excited to see how this goes. I definitely feel better about the Knicks short and long-term future than I did say, you know, two weeks ago. Okay. And that's without seeing much of Quickly or Toppin, who, you know, both got hurt in the uh, in game one. So I think, you know, adding those guys back in the next couple of games is going to be really great to see. And uh, you hope they can both stay healthy going forward. And I definitely feel like this is not the most bleak situation in the NBA right now. We could discuss it on another show who is, but we've done that before. Um I, I feel I feel like they're building something here. It's slow, but I, I feel like it's coming. You see, I mean, you see it with the defensive principles and the spacing alone. Like, how is it that this is the same roster, virtually the same roster as last year, and yet Tibbs figured out how to get the most out of Randall. And, you know, a player like Reggie Bullock, granted Reggie was, was injured at the beginning of last season. Um. But they they sort of figured that that puzzle out, and it's essentially the same roster. Um, but granted, you have a second year out of R.J. Barrett, which you know is is a factor, and Peyton is still the leading point guard here. But again, Tibbs has shown that this team there's something there's something with this team, and you you're starting to see it when they play out every night, and I'm excited to see what happens with it. Yeah, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's a perfect way to say it. How is this spacing so much better despite not adding better shooters? I mean, it's the same group except you added uh, Burks. And, you know, it's not like the guys you have now are really improving as shooters as of yet. I mean, we all thought RJ Barrett was going to take that step as that next shooter. He had one excellent game and three not-so-good games. He's shooting 38% from the floor this year. That's actually worse than last year, 18% from three. And you you still got off to the two-and-two start. I think that's not sustainable for Barrett. I think he will get better. And there's still things to say, you know, that plus the injuries are reasons why this team should continue to grow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's encouraging throughout – I, I'm curious to see how they they go against a better against against a good team like the Raptors, and not for not, not to take away from the Knicks win the other night, but you know they faced a, a full rostered Bucks team, and the Cavaliers were undefeated going into yesterday's game. And it's not to say that you know the Knicks will be the best team in the East, but you know they beat two worthy opponents early on in the season, and I'm cool with it. Yeah. Uh, it's very exciting to see. I'm I'm hoping uh, better days are ahead for the uh, 2021 Knicks. All right, well, uh, let's get to our final thoughts. We uh, got some interesting things to cover right after this. Okay, Chris, final thoughts time here. My Washington Wizards, I bet them over 32 and a half wins. They're 0-4 and the body language has been bad. Beal is now avoiding the media. You see this video going around of Westbrook looking like, you know, he 
he's dejected. He can't believe what's going on. He had an assistant coach had to come over and like embrace him. I mean, it's, it's a little concerning because those guys are putting up their numbers. Chris Beal has been excellent. Walls, uh, well, Westbrook is averaging a triple double and they lost to Orlando twice and the bulls. So I'm very concerned about this. Oh, and four start and, this might be the, like, we're talking about the Knicks kind of a ch- going over expectations. This might be the team that's underachieving here. Well, I think the difference here is that the Wizards had to adjust more than the Knicks had to, and not to compare because that's the same thing. And, com- you know, sort of adjusting to somebody like Russ isn't easy, I think, especially when he's such a stat. I mean, both of them are stat patterns at the end of the day. <laughs> It remains to be seen whether they can produce winning basketball at this at this stage of Westbrook's career. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we'll see. I think it's still early on, man. I think, you know, they can get on a four-game winning streak and then we'll forget about this. this For sure. Four, yeah. 0-4 oh, 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 hole. And Scotty, Scotty Brooks, you know, is obviously a big fan of Westbrook. So I, I expect that to change. It's, it's early. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. It would be fun to see those two guys in the playoffs. Uh, look. I think their big issue is defensively they're, they're getting pounded every night. You know, the bulls, the bulls made them look bad. The bulls were awful and the bulls made them look bad. Orlando has been searching for offense for half a decade. Now they made them look bad a couple of times. And I'm not really sure how that's going to be fixed. Whether even if Westbrook and uh, Beal can play better together, I'm not really sure how that fixes them defensively. They're going to get Rui Hachimura back from the eye problems. He's going to make his season debut Thursday night against the Bulls again. So I think that can't hurt. But at the same time, you know, you got to start getting wins. It gets early. It gets uh, late fast here. So another aspect that I think is interesting early on, Halliburton has been playing really well for the Kings. The Kings have defeated the Nuggets twice, I believe. And Halliburton has been a big part of that. Is there any regret in your mind that we should have gone after him yet? Or is it still very early? Yes and yes. I thought all along that they should have taken Halliburton. Point guard was their biggest hole. You've been screaming for about a year now. They need a point guard. They need to find a point guard. And everything I heard was that he was going to do a little bit of everything. He stuffs the box score. He reminds me a little bit of Malcolm Brogdon. And to me, that's the kind of guy you want with the eighth pick. I, I just felt like it was going to be harder to find a Halliburton later on going forward, a point guard who can do a little bit of everything than a big. And that was my, my thoughts on it. And I stick with those thoughts. That has nothing to do with how Halliburton has played or how Toppin hasn't played. You can't blame him for having injuries. I still think Toppin's going to have a good career and he's going to be a, a, a nice offensive player for the Knicks going forward. But at the same time, that was the guy to me. And I think they're going to regret it. But at the same time, you know, they win this draft next year and they get a, a star point guard. I don't think it's going to matter much. Yeah, I think you're right, Stevie. Um, at the end of the day, like we still don't know what player Obi is. He's been having some difficulty getting the shots he normally got in in, in college. We only but, played one game. Right, right. But you know, I'm basing this also on the preseason too, so it's not fair, obviously. Um, I'm, you know, until he comes back, you know, I'm gonna withhold my opinion on whether we should have gotten Halliburton. But Halliburton has looked nice and. Quite honestly, with the point guard issues and the, the, the injury issues that our, our team, our current team has, you know, a player like Halliburton would have fit really well. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, but there's a bunch of teams that passed on Halliburton that probably shouldn't have. I mean, I liked Killian Hayes out of this draft, but 
Detroit probably doesn't feel too good about passing up on Halliburton either right now. You know, Atlanta took a big over Halliburton. You know, he's a guy who could do a little bit of everything. I think they would probably wish they could undo that right now as well at the six pick. So, uh, you know, there's a ton of teams besides the Knicks that are probably like, hey, maybe we should have done something. But yes, Halliburton has been great. Wiseman has been good. Other than those two, who has really stepped up out of this rookie class? It is so early, and none of these guys have really shown anything so far. So I would not be concerned about top and missing time or anything like that because it's not the best rookie class, and that rookie class has also gotten off to a slow start. Speaking of James Wiseman, he's looked fantastic. Oh, no, he's he, he's the real deal. To me, he looks like the runaway rookie, rookie of the year. Well, I mean, Wiseman. I think it's Halliburton. I think it's one of those two. Those are the two early favorites. But yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much going to do it for us here on the All Hoops podcast. Chris, another great year in the books uh, for our show anyway, 2020. And uh, I'm, I can't wait to uh, get started 2021 All Hoops. We have a lot to do and uh, we'll get some great storylines, as we mentioned above. And uh, hopefully our Knicks will uh, get going. Yeah, thanks, buddy. It's been a pleasure doing this show another another year where, you know, it's been a very difficult year for many um, but obviously we, we feel very blessed to be with each other and healthy. Um, and that being said, happy new year to you, Stevie. We're going we're gonna to spend it together, but happy new year to all our fans out there. And again, we appreciate you listening to our show and be safe, be healthy, social distance and take care. Take care, everybody. 